Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And I should probably also say happy holidays. Aw, because tis the season, Caroline, for food waste. Oh. Yeah. This is the most wasteful time of the year. Oh gosh. I don't I don't okay, I'm not angry. I'm not gonna get angry. Um but this is a report that we found uh over at UPI. Americans waste three times more food than usual between Thanksgiving and New Year's. We're just throwing food away left and right. Yeah, that is an extra five million tons of food. Five million tons of food, which equates to about $282 million. Now, just trash. To be fair, at least one of those tons is probably just fruitcake. <laughs> Unwanted fruitcakes. Yeah. Turkey carcasses. <laughs> yes. Um, but even during the year, this is no big surprise, I'm sure, to, to any of our listeners. Food waste is a huge problem. Yeah, this is uh, coming from the Natural Resources Defense Council, which estimates that outside of the holidays, just in general, Americans trash nearly half of our entire food supply, about 40%. And uh, Dana Gunders, who's a food project scientist with the NRDC, says that you can imagine it like this. It's basically like you go to the grocery store, you get three bags worth of groceries, and on your way out, you just drop one. Yeah. In the parking lot, you're like, I'll just leave that behind. I don't, I won't bother picking that up. This, uh, this council also says that the average American family of four ends up throwing away about $2,275 annually in food. Yeah, and um, it's it's not like we have any kind of pressing economic problems, you know, or or food shortages anywhere else around the world. Certainly not. Yeah, no, no big deal. That was sarcasm, everybody. Yeah. Um, but one thing that food scientists like Dana Gunders will point to as a reason why Americans are so wasteful are because we are perhaps a little too vigilant when it comes to food expiration dates. Now, obviously, like with foodborne diseases uh, and scares where, you know, you have like bad peanut butter. Oh, no, everyone freaks out. Um, I think maybe we we throw away before we really need to. Yeah. Like I was just telling Kristen about how my mother threw away a container of orange juice three days before even its sell by date, which will explain the whole difference between sell by versus use by, et cetera, et cetera. But so anyway, she threw it away because she saw in its clear container that it had separated. And she was like, ew, I don't know what that is. Well, mother, it's orange juice. You just shake it. Like so, a shake weight. She's, just, just like a shake weight, Sally. Uh, so yeah, my mother is a good example of, of maybe what is wrong with our attitudes toward food or just our ideas and our misconceptions about expiration dates. Yeah, and uh, there really isn't a, a huge gendered angle to look at in this conversation, but since um, it is the holidays, since we all must live from food, I figured <laughs> you know it's, it's a good opportunity to uh, to learn some things about how to become savvier consumers and you know treat treat the world a little a little better. So let's talk about what exactly those dates are that we see on food because not it, not everything is not every date means the same thing. Yeah, so we have the sell by date and that is really telling the store, not you. It's telling the store how long to display a product for sale. 
Then you have the best if used by or before date, which is recommended for the use of the product while at peak quality. And that kind of touches on the whole thing about expiration dates, which is that they are more about quality and freshness than they are about safety. Yeah, the USDA does not regulate these kinds of uh, like expiration dates. In fact, only when it comes to infant formula and certain baby foods are package dates ever regulated by the federal government. A lot of this comes down to a state-by-state basis and also on uh, like manufacturers' terms. Yeah, there was a great Slate story back in February 2010, which talked about uh, basically just, you know... Kind of ignore those expiration dates. Not not totally. Use them as a suggestion. But uh, the writer kind of explained why they are so conservative. And she pointed out that manufacturers are kind of taking into account all manner of consumer. They imagine how the laziest people with the most undesirable kitchens might store and handle their food. So if they buy a pack of chicken breasts at the store, come home and leave them sitting on the counter for three hours, whoops. Mm-hmm. So they're they're trying to take into account people who might not be as responsible with the way they handle their food. And it makes sense because, uh, you know, they probably, all these food manufacturers also want to cover themselves in terms of any liabilities. But it is good to keep in mind that when, you are looking at that date the that is stamped for the very worst food consumer out there who just doesn't give a hoot about it. like Sally she is she's vigilant we're talking about oh, she's overly vigilant if, if the orange juice is curdled that is what the uh, the expiration dates are there for and also in that slate article Nadia Arumagam talks about the evolution of of uh, of these expiration dates, and she cites consumer reports as one of the major reasons why they exist. Um, basically, we have the urbanization uh, from farms to cities and towns. And in the 1930s, she writes, the magazine Consumer Reports argued that Americans increasingly looked to expiration dates as an indication of freshness and quality. And then in the 1970s, we have more supermarkets and food chains implementing their own dating system. Uh, and she says, despite the fact that in the 70s and the 80s, consumer groups and the processors held hearings to establish a federal, federally regulated system, nothing came of them. So these dates are just, they're not out of thin air, but they are, they're more for the manufacturer than really for the user, it sounds like. Right. And speaking of grocery stores and supermarkets, uh, they are certainly not uh, innocent of food waste. There is massive food waste that just goes on before it even reaches our cupboards. Right. Well, I mean, just think about all of the food at grocery stores. Like, what the heck happens to it? Um, and I, I felt much better reading a Forbes story that explained, uh, this was according to supermarket consultant David J. Livingston, who said that uh, fresh vegetables and meats are often cooked up for in-store deli and salad counters before they spoil. So that's good. That's one place that they go. Now, a portion of it is inevitably thrown into the garbage and ends up in landfills, but some of it is given away to food banks, sold to salvage stores, and the rest is taken by people who they say scrounge outside supermarkets. Freegans. We're talking about Freegans. Mm. There's an article on How Stuff Works, um, if you aren't familiar with Freeganism, uh, called How Freegans Work. And basically they will... I remember in college, I knew some... 
uh, they weren't freegans, but they were a little more, they were a little more of the, the punk rock DIY group, and they would go to the Dunkin' Donuts in town, and they figured out the time when they would toss out all of the old donuts and the, the bagels, which were perfectly fine. I did have a dumpster doved, divin <laughs> bagel in my day. Um, and they would, they would go and, and, Scoop up all of these, all of these donuts and and bagels. I just, I just picture that Portlandia sketch. It, yeah, it's very, it is very Portlandia. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is good to know that that not all the food just goes directly to that. Because I think about it now, like how common in large supermarkets that all of the ready-made food that they now have, and there's no way I'll go in there, you know, later on at night to pick up something, and there's still so much food out there. Yeah, and also there was a 2005 uh, FMI Supermarkets and Food Bank study that found that more than half of the 8,360 supermarkets surveyed donated to food banks 100,000 pounds of food that they could not sell. And this was usually like out-of-season products or damaged, like dented cans and things like that. Yeah, and I didn't think about either before reading this Forbes article about how there is that down market, kind of in the same way that we have uh, with fashion, of mm-hmm. it, the it trick of clothing trickling down, you also have those a lot of those discount stores now, especially with um, the, you know the economy the way it is. And Forbes talked to one owner of one of these discount grocery stores that takes expired food. They never know what they're going to get necessarily. Um, and they said when they first opened, people were very hesitant and would buy a couple of cans of things or like some expired granola bars and, you know, because they were nervous about it Mm because those expiration dates freak us out so much. But once people become more comfortable, business is doing really well because they realize that, you know, this food is perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah, most of it is. Exactly. Um, Well, it did also make me feel better because of this quote from Jean Schwab. She was interviewed by NPR, and she is a senior analyst in the EPA's waste division. She said that food waste is now the number one material that goes into landfills and incinerators. And this was part of a big, uh, there were a couple articles about restaurant food waste in particular, about how many pounds of food waste restaurants uh, generate. And she said that food waste from restaurants makes up 15% of all the food that ends up in landfills. Right, because there are all of those, um, the, the laws that prevent restaurants from being able to give that leftover food at the end of the night directly to, say, soup kitchens right. or food banks. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. But again, I feel like it, a lot of this is a product of uh, entities covering themselves from right. liability. Yeah, well, you don't want to make anybody sick and you don't want to get in trouble for making anybody sick. Right. Um, but we should point out, though, with the the package dates, because I'm sure some people are thinking, no, these package dates are important. They are keeping us healthy. What about bad spinach and bad peanut butter? No, actually, package dates are not designed to protect the public from foodborne illness. Like, they don't, those dates are already packaged. They don't know whether or not you know, hopefully, it's assumed that it's E. coli free, so that it does not. It has nothing to do with um, keeping us safe in that way. Food safety is much more dependent, though, on temperature than age. So when it comes to determining whether or not food is still good, how long you can keep it in your fridge, keep it in your cupboard, it's more temperature you need to think about than how long it's been sitting there. Right, yeah, going back to that Slate article, uh, the writer points out that, you know, most consumers are not aware that their fridges aren't actually 
cold enough for raw meat. Because think about all the things you have in your fridge. I have everything from condiments to, you know, things that might not even need to really be refrigerated in the first place and drinks to, yeah, like chicken and vegetables. So things, cereals. Cereals, yeah. Nail polish. (laughs) Bras. (laughs) It is refreshing first thing in the morning. Um, so, okay. So raw meat should be kept at about 30 degrees, but most fridges are kept around 40 so that your veggies and and your bras do not freeze. So food experts recommend that you eat that meat within two days, people. Or if you are a vegetarian or vegan, you're like, not my problem. Well, yeah. So 40 degrees is all set for you. Well, and there is another tip, too, of, of keeping those uh, foods like meats that need to be at a lower temperature away from the uh, the light bulb in your fridge. That will help mm. keep them keep it fresher. A little bit longer as well. But yeah, meat, meat's really, meat and dairy are the toughest ones when it comes to this. Although eggs, can we talk about eggs for a second? Tell me about eggs. They can hang out in your fridge for so long after the expiration date. Yeah, so it turns out that eggs are okay for three to five weeks after you bring them home, assuming you bought them before the sell-by date. And that's just that date, you know, that we mentioned earlier about the stores trying to get them off the shelves. And handy tip out there for people who like deviled eggs. Ooh, I do. Me, me, me. Not-so-fresh eggs make better deviled eggs. Really? Yeah, if they're not, you don't want to make a deviled egg from perfectly fresh eggs because when you try to peel them and get the shell off, that pulls the egg off with it. If you if you get them a little less fresh, they will come out whole and shiny and happy. I think we should make a, a deviled egg cooking show video <laughs> now. Only if I could wear my June Cleaver dress. Yes, absolutely. And so, yeah, then moving on from eggs... Perishables like milk and meat, of course, have a three to seven day grace period after the sell by date has elapsed. So if you're looking at your milk and it just has a sell by date, that's not the expiration date. Do not panic. Again, you might want to use the smell test because your milk might smell weird eventually, but don't be you know, don't be put off by the sell-by date. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I thought, also found it interesting that there is a debate about butter, which mm-hmm. is not so surprising because some people, like my mom actually will leaves the butter out in like a covered butter dish, so it's always soft and ready to use. Uh, but the USDA guidelines recommend uh, freezing it if you aren't going to use it within a day or two and then refrigerating. I'm a refriger- butter refrigerator, yeah. but that's just because I don't own a butter dish. Like a proper lady, I suppose. I suppose. Um, but yeah, the USDA recommends refrigerating the butter, which isn't surprising. Again, you know, the, with with dairy, they are more overly cautious than yeah. than anything else. Well, there's also a lot of stuff too where things don't spoil necessarily or go bad, but they might just taste slightly different. Like mayonnaise, you know, indefinite. You can keep it unopened indefinitely because mayonnaise is like that. But after about two to three months open, the taste starts to change. So there's that. Same with soda. It doesn't necessarily spoil, but the taste is affected. Yeah, for pretty much anything outside of the realm of, of fresh produce and, and even with produce, once it starts to, it'll color some and lose vitamins, but it's not necessarily going bad. But aside right. from uh, like meats and milk and things like that, uh, when it exceeds a an expiration date, it merely means that the the quality is diminishing, not that it is inherently going to make you sick. We found out something similar about Twinkies. Oh, man, Twinkies. Wow. Uh, they, 
really last a long time. If you have a bomb shelter in your house, you <laughs> might as well toss some Twinkies in there because they are the food of the apocalypse, um, even though there has been all that, that hostess trouble. But Twinkies will exist. Twinkies are never going to go away. Um, while it is a myth, CBS News points out, that Twinkies can last upwards of 50 years, Twinkies can last a lengthy 25 days outside of their packaging. <laughs> That is an experiment I want to do, and I also don't want to Ew. do. Ew. Uh, wait, outside, of that, it won't mold? Yeah, it's because there aren't any dairy products in the recipe, and um, it, it doesn't spoil after 25 days. But again, like most foods, it simply loses a little bit of taste and flavor. Mm. Well, this one goes out to my mother. Uh, Sally, you should not be refrigerating your tomatoes. Cut it out. Yeah, uh, Lifehacker had a, a good list of things that you don't need to refrigerate, and they cite, in addition to the tomatoes, because it makes them mushy. Ugh. It does make them mushy, and nothing's worse than a mushy tomato. Uh, potatoes, honey, and onions. Yeah. Also, you might want not want to keep onions in the fridge, because then your other food will taste like onions. Blah. Which yeah. Which might be good for some people, like onions. <laughs> Yeah, it gets if you're an onion fanatic, sure. Um, things that go under the category of refrigerate only if you feel like it are peanut butter, bread. I refrigerate my bread. It does get harder faster, but I just, you know, I don't know. I don't want it to get moldy or whatever. Bananas, uh, they will get black if you put them in the fridge, but they'll still be good to eat. Uh, baked goods, they will stay fresh, I guess. Well, that's a lie. They will go stale faster is what I meant, so the opposite of what I said. And then oils, which will thicken and get cloudy, but that, that will all go away once you take them out of the fridge. And, of course, things that you should always refrigerate include meat, milk, eggs, like we said, cheese, condiments like jams and salad dressings, and butter. And butter. Yeah, there was one tip, uh, speaking of refrigerators, and because uh, I think a lot of times, too, food waste happens because we overstock the fridge and we forget what is in there, and so things end up in the back and they just... Uh, they look so pitiful once mm-hmm. we finally get back to them. And uh, I was listening to Marketplace Money recently. It was right after Thanksgiving, and they were talking about uh, food waste. And one of their experts came on saying that you should keep a picture in the back of your fridge. And then if you can't see the picture anymore, you've got too much food in there. Did they say what it should be a picture of? Uh, it should be a picture of food. <laughs> No, he didn't. He didn't recommend a specific picture. Okay, I'll keep a picture of Ryan Gosling in the back of my fridge. <laughs> so you'll just be, <laughs> always be trying to get to him. No, but this, this, I, I think these food waste tips are very important because I, I feel like every time I go home and open my mother's fridge, I have to clear stuff out because she buys. I don't want to say in bulk because she doesn't shop at those big stores, but she buys so much stuff and then just has it in the fridge because you never know who's going to come over. Yeah. And then I have to go through and be like, your celery has turned to a liquid. I'm going to throw it away now. She's like, why are you throwing away all my vegetables? Because you bought so much stuff that you didn't need. Why are you throwing away perfectly good orange juice but keeping the liquid celery? (laughs) Sally. But there are some, if she, if you do want to stock up though, there are some quote unquote everlasting foods that CBS News cited. And these things are not, it's not too surprising. Although, a uh, honey was a surprising one because I've had old honey before and, uh, I have, I'm guilty of throwing away honey because it does, yeah. it does harden, but all you have to do is heat it up and then 
re kind of mix hmm. it up and it's fine. But uh, liquor, thank goodness. Oh, I know. Rice, sugar, cornstarch, distilled white vinegar, pure vanilla extract, not imitation, pure vanilla extract, and salt. Yeah. And with all of those things, you could make not well a stiff drink. <laughs> and that's about it. Well, I was also uh, happy to see about olive oil, that that's pretty much okay for two years after the manufacture date. But after that time, it's not like it's going to kill you. After that, it's still safe. It's just the color and flavor might be affected, just like all that other stuff we talked about. Because I am guilty of throwing away olive oil that I thought maybe I had too long. So essentially, what what we have learned from all of this is that... We should ignore, start ignoring expiration dates, except yeah. for infant formula and the baby foods, mm-hmm. and be braver. Yeah. But also try to just buy what you need. Well, yeah, that's true. Sally. Oh, I hope your mom listens to this episode. <laughs> I don't think she knows how to work it. <laughs> and by it, I mean the computer, the internet, <laughs> podcast, technology, anything. And celery. <laughs> and celery. Uh, so I hope this was a good primer on, on food waste. I hope that this will help cut down on holiday food waste. Um, I mean, everybody's guilty of it at some point. Uh, and also, like, that, w- that was one thing that they pointed out in the slate test, the slate article that I think we did mention. Like, when in doubt, just use the smell test. Yeah. If it smells funky, then, then okay. But until then, you know, eat it. And if you get a little food poisoning, no, I'm just kidding. You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be okay. Uh, so let us know your thoughts out there. If we have any grocers, I would like to hear from you if you're like, no, gosh, no, people should certainly pay attention to expiration dates. Uh, let us know your thoughts. So momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send them. And speaking of which, we got a couple of letters for you. But before we get to that, we've got a quick word from our sponsor that brought you this episode. And it is jackthreads.com. Just in time for the holidays, you can head over to jackthreads to find some new cool duds for any dudes in your life. Now, the reason why you want to head over to Jack Threads to check things out is because everything on the site is up to 80% off, and that is 80% off killer contemporary and street apparel accessories and gadgets from brands like Converse, Penguin, and Busted Tees. So, uh, even better to let them know that we sent you. Head over to www.jackthreads.com slash mom, where, again, everything on the site is up to 80% off. And what better time to save than around the holidays? So again, it's jackthreads.com slash mom. And now back to our letters. Here's a letter from Mickle about our podcast on interracial marriage. Uh, Mickle writes, my parents were married eight years after Loving versus Virginia. Technically, interracial marriage was legal in their state before that, but it's still weird to think that it was that recent. My sister is an interracial child, and if you look back on pictures, she has definitely gone through phases of looking more Asian versus more white. Some people do ask her now if she's Polynesian, among other things, mostly because she has dark hair. In most other states, it wouldn't even be a question, but because of that, she has identified more with her Asian background as an adult than she did as a kid. 
I wish I could say that the people who still believe interracial marriage is bad are all of an older generation, but I have met people in their teens or 20s who have very strong beliefs about it. One of them tells certain interracial kids that they should marry their minority side while telling others that it's okay for them to marry white because to him they are white. Ironically, his parents and grandparents have never held those beliefs, so we don't know where it came from. My grandpa was in Pearl Harbor, and subsequently, even though my mom is Korean, my dad did worry about what my grandpa would think when he brought my mom home the first time. Considering his background, no one would have blamed him for freaking out, but he was always accepting and we're pretty sure my mom was always his favorite of the daughter-in-laws. I have noticed that even with interracial couples where one party is white, people still assume in some cases that that's how all of them must be if they see these couples misbehaving. Subsequently, I do expect more from Asian white interracial couples because they are representing my parents too. Despite a lot of differences though, my parents are proof that all of the crap used by those against interracial marriage is just that. Crap. So thanks, Mikkel. Well, I've got one here about interracial marriage as well from Hannah, who also hails from ATLGA. Hello, neighbor. She says, I am in fact in an interracial relationship with a Dominican-American man from New Jersey, and I am white, white, white. By that, I mean every kind of Anglo-Saxon guild all sexed together in a pool of Prussian, Scotch, Irish, English, and a pinch of Cherokee. My partner and I have talked a lot about our heritage, how he is descended from the invasion of the Spanish when Christopher Columbus landed on the island now known as Haiti in the Dominican Republic, and how my family came to the American mainland sometime way back in the 1800s. Ultimately, we are both European invasion babies, and when we get right down to the nitty-gritty, we are in no way trying to justify our relationship. We are just fascinated by our own genetic history. We are modern people still in our 20s, so when we heard both of our fathers say, he's not white and she's white, it was pretty amazing to us. We found our mothers to be on equal level of acceptance with us and not even considering race in juxtaposition to our father's reaction. Um, and she goes on to say that she and her partner have been together for seven years and they are they got engaged almost immediately but have not gotten married yet. And she's wondering whether or not they will. But certainly, clearly, uh, the interracial aspect will not be a factor in that. So thanks to folks for writing in momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send your letters. You can also find us on Facebook and like us there and follow us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. And you can also follow us over at our blog on Tumblr at stuffmomnevertoldyou.tumblr.com. And again, if you want to learn more about uh, freegans and dumpster diving, which I mentioned earlier, you can do that at our website and read how freegans work. It's at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 